Hey, I'm Ariana Benincasa with Tattoo Sound and Music, and you're listening to Sisters of Sound, turning the volume up on women in audio. Did you know that there's a way to make music without physically touching an instrument? I'll never forget the first time I saw the theremin. I was wandering around the Honest Ed's closing event, and there were multiple art installations and performances happening in their many rooms. I stumbled upon this one room that was radiating rainbows. As I got closer to the performer, I noticed her playing this incredible instrument while waving her arms in the air. Clara, thank you so much for joining us. We're pleased to have you and your theremin with us as well. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. <laughs> so um, the theremin has been around for a while. It was invented by Leon Theremin in the 1920s and is one of the first mass-produced electronic instruments. Can you describe the instrument and the science behind it with a bit of demonstration? So this instrument was the first um, mass-produced electronic instrument, although a lot of people still don't know it, which is amazing to me, um, because I think it's one of the most incredible instruments ever invented. Uh, And you play it by waving your hands around two antennas, and you basically play it with your capacitance. And so um, you've got an antenna on the left, which is a volume antenna in the form of a loop, and that antenna is controlled by moving your hand up and down. And so if you move your hand up away from the antenna, the sound will get louder. And if you move your hand back down towards the antenna, the sound will get quieter. And so you use that, you know, to control the dynamics and also articulation. Um, And then you've got one antenna on the right, which is your pitch antenna, and that one stands straight up in the air, and if you move your hand close to that antenna, the pitch will get higher, and if you move it away, the pitch will get lower, and essentially... You could imagine that there is one long invisible string that comes out of that pitch antenna and you move your right hand along that invisible string in order to conjure the notes out of thin air. And it sounds kind of like a violin or a voice. And from there, there are so many possibilities with what this this instrument can do, especially the theremini, which is kind of the newest theremin for the 21st century. Awesome. So to my understanding, you can only play one note at a time. The theremin doesn't harmonize. No, the theremin did not harmonize. There was... Uh, kind of spoof video for April Fool's Day a few years ago where Moog put out like the harmonizing theremin and everyone was like, whoa, that's amazing. (laughs) But it was a total joke. You can't because (laughs) it's uh, actually only one person can play the theremin at the same time. People ask me that a lot um, because there's one antenna. Essentially, it's picking up everybody's energy in in the room, everyone's capacitance. Or, you know, I just say energy because it's a romantic idea. Like uh, when when people say, well, how do you play the instrument? Oh, you play it with your energy. So, or you play it with your intentions. So Mm -hmm. when people say things like, oh, your energy can affect the world, I'm like, yes, it can. I've got proof of that. That is the basis of the theremin. You know, it it is your intentionality and your energy literally making the music, changing, changing the world, I say. But um, yeah, so one person can play it at the same time. Right now we're in a studio. And so if you're sitting over there, um, you're actually playing the theremin with me because <laughs> because you're you're <laughs> you are contributing it to the to the sound. Mm. If you left, it would have to be recalibrated and and so even though you don't know it, you are contributing to that to that 
sound. And when I perform live, um, you know, the the audience also like they don't know, but they are participating um, in in that creation as well. Which, yeah. So you always have to take into account your surroundings. Oh. So so when you when you tune the instrument, how how do you tune the theremin? Okay, so the theremin can't be tuned; it can be <laughs> calibrated. Okay. Um. So so if I'm playing. There's my scale. Now, if you were to leave the room and I put my fingers in the exact same position as I just had them, you know, in terms of like their proximity from the antenna, the notes would be completely different because because the uh, the room has changed. If somebody were to set up an amp uh, on my right then and turned it on, that is going to also recalibrate it. If somebody were to come close to me with a camera, which happens a lot when I'm performing, you know, people are just used to being able to walk around with a camera and photograph the performer. Cameras are the absolute worst. They make this instrument go completely haywire. So, I mean, I could be playing... meltdown and they and you know and and the funny thing is it's live music and I love live music I mean it is that is my be all and end all it's the reason that I'm doing this I just love performing so much and the funny thing about live music is you can never predict what's going to happen so yeah so you can calibrate the theremin and you can do that at the beginning of your performance but literally if I just move my body position by a centimeter uh, it will change so the the trick about the theremin is constantly 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 listening so does the antenna on the instrument ever pick up any weird radio signals at all (laughs) it does um sometimes you can pick up you know any kind of radio station you know you can get talk radio you can get pop music coming through (laughs) so people think that you're doing clever mashups uh you can it you really cannot predict and it's funny because we're in toronto and we have the cn tower in toronto which is a very large antenna and it makes theremin playing very difficult the closer that you get to it in fact um which I've experienced as, as have a lot of theremin <laughs> players who have come to perform in Toronto. So, so there's that as well. It's it's really fun though, guys. It's I, you know, <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth totally. all. Of, it's a little high maintenance, I guess. I mean, the thing is that um, it also does things like sometimes I was the first Canadian to perform in this small town in Portugal named Beja, which is a beautiful town, very historic town, and they have a really incredible electronic music festival every year so they invited me I was the first thereminist as well and the venue for the performance was very old um, you know it was really kind of like a very very ancient venue and so they had wired and rewired it for electricity and the lines were crossing everywhere and the theremin really did not work there <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> not I the was trying location. to perform and it was like it sounded instead of this, it would be like, like I was just getting this crazy choppy stuff. So I turned the reverb on so loud just to try to smooth it out a little bit and did the best I could. And I think it, it worked out. But, you know, there is that level of unpredictability. However, uh, this new the theremini I find is a lot because um, it's actually a digital instrument. It's a lot more stable in those situations, um, you know, compared to the the Etherwave theremin, which is the fully analog model. Mm-hmm. So hence, you know, I tour with this one now and it makes my life a little easier that way. <laughs> right. Um, is there a certain fingering method you have to use when you're playing the instrument? So there is there are a, a number of methods that people use. Uh, Clara Rockmore, who is uh, the theremin virtuoso of the world um although she is no longer with us sadly but she developed she has the same name as you she does which is you know it's not intentional i did not name myself clara people think that i named myself after her i did not it is a coincidence purely coincidental um 
And she was also a violinist, by the way. As oh, was wow. I. But um, anyway, she developed a, a method, a fingering method with theremin because theremin taught – she was – theremin's protege uh and and there is a theremin like a fingering method that some people find um is the easiest for them however there are a number of methods like any instrument has different methods for violin you might have the suzuki method you might use a different method and essentially the way like the fingerings that you use will be personal and will work you know i think that <laughs> this instrument is is so strange in a way and so personal because because your connection to it is completely pure unlike other instruments where there's a string between you and the instrument uh with this instrument it's it's a invisible connection like you i feel like my hands are pulled directly towards it and that and that when you perform with it it's a dance but you know there's there's a certain literally like this connection that you feel and in that way you know because it is so idiosyncratic whatever works for you i think is the best theremin method um, in terms of what you want to do with it and and you know on the you know that being said the, when i did a master class um for the theremin with other thereminists which is really helpful and you know and interesting there are techniques that you can pick up from other people there are certain things with that fingering technique that clara rockmore did that might be useful for a certain piece or for a certain passage um and you know in that sense you can just take from from the existing methods and pull the things that make sense and then mm -hmm. you know i've developed my own way of playing it but that's what works for me and so mm -hmm. and so i just stick with it and then keep adding different techniques as I as I go. So you you must rely heavily on your ear and muscle memory to to find notes because you're it's virtually in the air. So how do you know like exactly how far away to keep your hand from the antenna to reach a certain notes? So as so uh I'm as I just mentioned I'm a violin player as well and um you know my violin teacher used to tell this story where Isaac Stern, the violinist, was known for having the best um, pitch. Like he, he was, he had, you know, incredible control over the violin, and his intonation was considered the best. And somebody once asked him, you know, how is it that you have the best intonation out of any violinist? And he said, Well, no, it's not that I've got, you know, I'm any better inherently than anybody else. It's just that I'm faster. <laughs> <laughs> and so with the theremin it's the same thing the 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 what you want to do is is be able to tell as quickly as possible whether or not you're you're out of tune because as i mentioned there is no muscle memory really with the theremin i mean there there is to to a degree but essentially you could have your hand in the same place twice and have different notes so you can't rely on it in the same way that you can with a violin or with a piano um, it's more about training your ear and your brain and for that for for you to be able to respond um, automatically to changes in intonation and so one of the techniques that I use sometimes when I practice is I sing along with it. And so to make this automatic, like to, to be able to sing and play the notes, so literally listen to two conversations at the same time. That's, that's what the skill is that you're trying to master. So sometimes I'll put on two YouTube videos at the same time and try to pay attention to both of them. And that kind of thing makes me a better theremin. Wow. So it's funny, like my Clara Venice theremin method is, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. It incorporates a number of training methods, um, including playing along with your favorite music. And uh, actually, the the theremini that I'm playing now can do a lot of things besides, you know, the theremin sound that everybody knows is when something creepy mm -hmm. happens. And, you know, mm -hmm. of course, you add a bunch of reverb and delay to that and it gets progressively creepier and weirder and more alien. So you've got that kind of um, 
violin-y, stringy mm-hmm. kind of sound. But then you can also play things like this. Okay, that is my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a you know that's a popular one. But you know they uh, they can a a lot of these can be used. I've got one of my song my song hearts that's on my most recent EPs is this one. So are you moving your hands the same way with these different settings or do you have to? No. So once you start adding effects, then, you know, you, you need, again, like another, another method, another, another way. And for me, uh, that's all contingent on the song that I'm playing with because I am a songwriter and a singer. And so I use mm-hmm. the theremin the way that, you know, it's my axe. It's the way that, that somebody would solo on a guitar or something like that. So, um, whatever I'm using the theremin for in a given track would, would tell me, okay, uh, you're going to be using this reverb and delay or this, you know, the bass sound or, you know, this preset. And then sometimes covers will call for certain things as well. I love covering songs. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the the first sound, the first sound that I just used, I, I heard it and I was like, oh, this reminds me of Lana Del Rey. So I'll cover, you know, High by the Beach with mm-hmm. that song. And, you know, and it's fun because nobody ever covers songs on the theremin. So <laughs> <laughs> right. I feel like every time that happens, it's like, you know, I did a Justin Bieber weekend mashup where, you yeah. know, Drake mashup where it's like, you know, really, I do a few Drake songs. It's like, has ever has anyone done Drake on the theremin? <laughs> no, like that. I love that. I yeah. get such a kick out of saying, you know, uh, that I'm the world's only uh, Justin Bieber <laughs> theremin coverer, <laughs> and um, and I'm one of the only people, honestly, that uses this in pop music. Um, I I'm probably the only person, honestly, who plays it as a as a proper instrument in a more pop music setting because mm-hmm. and everybody always says uh, they reference the Beach Boys all the time mm-hmm. in terms of the theremin in pop music and it's funny because that wasn't actually a theremin uh, oh. in Good Vibrations which is you know uh, one of the the kind of cornerstones where people mm-hmm. say oh yeah theremin well actually it wasn't because Brian Wilson wanted a theremin in that song but couldn't find a theremin player to play the oh. <laughs> Um and so it's I mean I think that one of the big draws for me in terms of, you know, sticking with this, it's a very challenging instrument. Some people say it's the most challenging instrument to play just because of what we've been talking about, the fact that you can't rely on, you, you know, muscle memory to the same degree. You mm-hmm. can, you have to be constantly aware and, you know, and attentive and it is it is difficult that way Mm -hmm. but on the other hand I mean we're living in the 21st century so how do we make things new how do we actually um, move things forward when so much has happened in Mm -hmm. the past and you know and, and not that everybody needs to do that but I just believe in progress because I do and so I'm like well how do I further what's already been done and and this is one way just because it it while it is the oldest electronic instrument um it has not had its moment yet right. to me i mean it's it's there are a lot of people that that have never heard of it that don't even know what it is so i think that there is still room for potential with this instrument there's there's still things to do with it and things that we haven't explored with it and um and i'm really excited to be part of that yeah, kind of I think that's great. I I think, you know, these days people are really caught up with, you know, digital audio workstations and mm-hmm. making sounds on computers. And they're forgetting that, okay, there were electronic instruments around in the 1920s and people were making these same sounds with their own two hands. For sure. And I mean, I use... I'm a producer as well, and I love my computer and mm-hmm. I love my plugins. I'm not... I'm really not... Uh, 
again, this is a digital theremin. There, there are people that would say that this is a toy and not a real theremin, and that a real theremin would have to be an analog theremin. And you know, the same way that people say, "Oh no, your gear should not be digital. You shouldn't use computer plugins. It's so much better to have the real ones." And I understand that, but I mean, really, I think for me, I just want to get out there and perform my music for people. <laughs> so whatever allows me to do that, um, you know, in, in a way that sounds really great and also is the easiest because let's face it, I mean, touring is, is not easy. And so I want to have a setup. My goal was to have a setup where I could go anywhere in the world and have everything with me in a suitcase. Literally my band fits in a suitcase and including my four backup (laughs) musicians who are projections who accompany me when I perform, Mm -hmm. we can all fit in a suitcase and set up anywhere in the world and do a show. And that's that's, That's amazing that we're able to do yeah. that now. I mean, we're so lucky living at the time that, that you know, we can we can actually have access to all mm-hmm. this incredibly sophisticated equipment. But, you know, I think that when you for me, this is the thing. I love performing and I don't love going to see DJs who who stand behind, a you know, a board or, mm. or when I can't see what they're doing to me, that isn't a great live music experience it's really fun to go out and dance and you know and and it's a it's a different experience but it's not the same as actually seeing a musician perform especially there's something so exhilarating about seeing a really virtuosic performer and so that is what I aim to do and to give people that that experience and then also to inspire them to want to create their own music and you know I I think that when you see somebody doing it there's there's just a inherent pleasure in that and also the level of musicianship that is required you know you know that that person has put in time and Mm -hmm. effort and energy and not that a DJ doesn't but it's just that it it doesn't translate um in the same way Mm -hmm. the fact that everybody is participating in a theremin performance I think is just such a beautiful metaphor for what music is and for you know how we all do contribute to creating that experience that happens when we go to a concert and you know Mm -hmm. we just feel a connection and and that's why I think that people will continue going to see live musicians and especially people that are playing instruments Mm -hmm. because it's different every time it's not as perfect as a as a computer the theremin goes wrong all the time but you know there's a there's a beauty in that and in that imperfection and in you know just knowing that that the performance that you see is not the same as what people saw last night or Mm -hmm. the night before and it's always different and personal and just yours right you studied in in violin. So, when was the first time you saw a theremin, and what about it drew you to pursue it? So, the first time that I saw a theremin, it was this band called Octopus Project, who I didn't know, and I didn't know anything about them. I showed up at this show, and I saw the theremin for the first time, and it was. I remember the theremin. It was a Moog. Uh, it was like a pro, Etherwave pro theremin that was on stage. And she was playing it. And it was just, it was one of those moments where I can only describe it as love at first sight. Like when I think about that, it's like a movie where all the lights dim and suddenly there's a spotlight. <laughs> and it's like I'm sitting there and, you know, it, I was just drawn to it. And so I said to my friend, like, what is that? And he told me it was a theremin. So I I was like, I've never heard of that, but I, I need it. And he said, well, there's one at the Moog store on Queen Street in Toronto. So I Queen and Spadina. Yeah. So I went in and they had a floor model. And I believe they still do if anybody wants to go and try it. I think that's the one I tried to play this. the other day. Exactly. <laughs> and so it was standing there and it was so funny because I went in and I remember this so well. The guys that work there remember it. Like I've talked to them, but I'm not just making this up. But mm. it w- it really happened where I went in and I was like, well, I'd like to try the theremin. And they're like, huh, why? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, I just want to see if it's intuitive to me. And they all started laughing. They're like, this is the most unintuitive instrument 
Uh, we've been working here for years. No, none of us can play it, but go ahead, you know. <laughs> and so they brought it into the middle of the room, and I just remember it was like so embarrassing, and yeah, I felt like spot. everyone was watching yeah. me and everything. And I could play a scale wow. the first time, and that was not with the theremin. That was with the you know the theremin, the uh, ether wave, which gives you no help at all. Anyway, so they it wasn't perfect, mind you, but it was it was good enough. They could see my potential and they were mm-hmm. like, that's yours. You know, you need that. So um, so I took it home, that model, because that was the only one they had. I was like, yep, okay, great. And I started practicing every day. So uh, we were talking a bit earlier about Claire Rockmore, mm-hmm. one of the earlier theremin players. Um, so would you say they're are mostly female theremin players? And if so, why do you think that is? Uh, I don't... I wouldn't say that there are mostly uh, female theremin players because the inventor was um, a man, Mm -hmm. Leon Theremin. And uh, and then Clara Rockmore was his protege. Mm -hmm. So she was a woman. And then theremin's granddaughter uh, is also a theremin player. Oh, cool. And then um, there's an amazing artist named Pamelia Stickney, who's um, also I, I took her master class when she was here, and she's incredible mm-hmm. and a woman. But there are also a lot of men who play the theremin. I don't think that it's necessarily um, a gendered instrument in that way. Um, I just think that... Yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest connection with the theremin is that there are a lot of violinists who who become theremin players because there's a similarity in terms of the um, the vibrato that you use, mm-hmm. the uh, you know your intonation, like the ear training that a violin training provides, um, stuff like that. So I would say, you know, in fact. A lot of men are more interested in the theremin than women, that's for sure. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, my YouTube analytics, for example, like you can actually see who's searching for oh, theremins. Right. And, you know, I, it's like 94% male, which is to me, you know, it's funny because when I perform live, uh, it's I've got a very mixed audience. It's not male or female. It's it's It seems very 50-50. Mm-hmm. But online, I was like, why? are so many guys watching my videos? And, oh, it's because they're searching. They're right. the ones that are searching for theremin. Interesting. So, you know, we have to get more girls searching for the theremin. Yeah, man. <laughs> like you. Yeah, I know. I got I to gotta try that after at the end. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so um, I find it really interesting that you uh, have a uh, projected band you call your hollow glamour band. Yeah. So can you tell us about performing with the instrument and what you strive to accomplish with your live performance? Sure. So my my constant goal is I, I mean I'm obsessed with technology I love technology and I also want to create a really captivating live performance because I think that you know right now a lot of people can record and it's very accessible and it's very easy to record a really great sounding tune mm-hmm. you know and th- and we're lucky because we can just listen to so much great music but it's another thing to be able to perform that music live mm-hmm. and now i find you know even more so because there are so many things that we can do um in our recordings that that to actually translate those things to a to a really great live performance is is a challenge so for me i really wanted to do something cool and i also wanted to be unique Mm-hmm. So and that's the that's the most challenging because of course when I started it was me and my acoustic guitar and it's like how many girls are singing with their acoustic guitars right. and so <laughs> I really wanted to do something where people would say oh my god that's the that's the only time that I've ever seen that in my life and that I could Google it and be the only person doing that (laughs) in the world, you know? And so the first thing that I, that I did was I started using Ableton Live in my performances because I'm a multi-instrumentalist and I've always played, uh, I like composing all the parts of my songs, performing them um, in the studio and then figuring out how to, how to do that live in a way where, you know, I'm 
looping or I'm doing some pre-recorded things. I'm mixing it. I'm basically doing like a quasi live DJ set, but mm-hmm. along with with instruments and then I'm singing. Right. And so you can be like the idea of like a one man band or something. So, mm-hmm. OK, that was the first thing. And then okay, that's not different enough. There are still people who are doing that. OK, well, <laughs> then I found the theremin. Like, OK, the theremin, that makes it pretty unique and then actually having to play the theremin like not using it as a sound effect not using it as a texture using it as a legit instrument Mm -hmm. um which took a while but you know so we added that and then uh developing some stage some some lighting so I have these things called the rainbow cloud lights which were at the honest ed show Mm -hmm. that you saw um and so those are uh led cloud lights for the stage and they are controlled by my theremin and they're also controlled by the MIDI that I'm sending through Ableton. There are a lot of different modes so that's like a custom software that I created with a collaborator Owen Denham. And then uh, my newest project which I'm going to release in January of 2018 are these Twitter shoes and (gasps) they are called my Twit Kickers. What? And so they are the first shoes. What <laughs> this is, is so funny. Well, they're platform shoes with a LED screen. They contain their own Wi-Fi as well as a battery pack. And people can tweet to my shoes during my live performances. <laughs> and um, and also that they display, incredible. like, you know, I program them to display my name and emojis and all sorts of fun things. That's incredible. Yeah, I'm really excited about that project. And, you know, it's I just love these things where it's like, so I'm just imagining somebody finding this show and being like, what <laughs> is even Mind happening? Blown. Yeah, because the theremin for a lot of people, it's it's the beauty of the theremin as well is that if you if you don't know it or if you do know it, it's still the most magical thing because you're not touching it and yet you're creating this music. It's like, how does that happen we live in a world where everything is, you know, so fact-based and, and you know, we like to explain things. Mm-hmm. And, and even with the theremin, knowing the science behind it, it's still magical the way that it works. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't touch it. You just wave your hands around and beautiful melodies come out. It's like, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's beautiful. So I love, you know, when people see my show and they're like, oh, I've never seen that before. Or like, wow, I've never seen one live before. And so all of these other things just kind of augment that, hopefully that experience. And mm-hmm. and also I'm trying to make it more interactive. So with the Twitter shoes, then people can actually, you know, yeah. be part of it. And um, yeah, and then my, my projection band are another component because I found that... Um, because I do play all these instruments and I record those parts when I when I put out an EP, mm-hmm. I'm playing a lot of the guitars and keyboard parts and the, you know, bass lines and stuff like that. I do work with other musicians, but a lot of the time it's me playing those things. Oh, great. And when I perform live, it was hard to translate that to people who aren't used to electronic music and they don't know that it's me actually playing all of these things it's not you know karaoke or karaoke or whatever it is <laughs> it's actually me performing um it's just that it's i'm not, i'm unable to to play all of those things at the same time and i wanted to get across what was happening so we had this idea well why don't you dress up um, as four different personas and each one of those personas will be like a clara venice clone um, cool. and they'll each play a different instrument. So we've got Clara Vegas, Clara Venus, Clara Volume, Clara Vixen. They all we're like the Spice Girls, but the <laughs> Space Girls. And you know, we and and so that's how we perform and they're funny. Like they can kind of do little interactions uh, during the performances. And we've got a video that's coming out for that also in 2018 featuring all five girls for the first Ooh, time. And incredible. yeah, I just, you know, it's it's uh it's fun and it's a way for me to use I've got a crazy wig collection. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, need to. exactly. <laughs> so uh, people can actually wear your EP. Clara yes. gave me a copy of uh, her album on a beautiful heart-shaped USB stick here. Um, so tell me about this. How did you come up with this concept? I've never, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I had this idea of taking a USB drive and somehow fabricating a piece of jewelry or 
you know, a keychain or a bag mm-hmm. tag. You can use it however you like that that contains the album that people can wear. And that would actually be, you know, a nice object to have besides supporting me in my music, which is great. Mm-hmm. And so I worked with a company um, to kind of design them um, and produce them. They're hand poured. They're really, really good quality. And awesome. so, yeah, that can't was... Can't wait. Can't wait to plug it in <laughs> and put it on the necklace. Well, it's worked, actually, <laughs> because my idea was that you could... Because I like it when people share my music. I mean, if, if you buy my album... You feel free to share it. You know, I would prefer that everybody shared my music and then came to see my live show. That's yeah. that's who I am. And um, so I thought, well, it would be cool if somebody was like wearing a necklace at a party or something. Oh, let's put this on and then just like yeah. stuck it into someone's <laughs> computer. And sometimes I've been on a plane where somebody's like, oh, what is that? Like, what? Because you can use it for everything. Yeah. It's, a, it's a USB drive. It has an album on it as well. And oh, I've plugged it into awesome. somebody else's computer and then just like <laughs> put the music on their computer on the plane. And that's so cool. Yeah. So, um, where have you performed? I saw that you had the pleasure of touring with the Bare Naked Ladies, which is pretty awesome. How did you get that gig? Well, my first EP was uh, I co-produced it with Kevin Hearn, who's in Bare Naked Ladies, oh, wow. as well as you know a lot of. He's amazing. Who doesn't Kevin Hearn play with, really? Mm-hmm. But uh, he was he's amazing. He's such a great musician and such a great producer, and we had a great time working together. So. They were looking for an opener for a cross-Canada tour, and um, he's like, well, how about Clara? And played my stuff, and they they liked it. Actually, Kevin's helped me get a lot of... I opened for Violent Femmes at Massey Hall Mm. last year, which was amazing. You know, it was always my dream out Mm -hmm. of all the Toronto venues because I've seen the best concerts of my life at Massey Hall. So to get to play on that stage was so incredible um, with the theremin. And, you know, it was mm-hmm. like, wow, full circle. And, you know, Brian from Violent Films saying that he really liked my music. I'm like, this is, <laughs> this the, is, best day this is the best. But I've had, you know, I, and um, Carol Pope, I've been doing a lot of shows with Carol Pope. I'm actually going to LA tomorrow to shoot a video with her because oh. we co-wrote a song together that just came out. And so we're doing the video for that. And I... Yeah, I've I've had incredible experiences and learned so much because you know, a band like the Bare Naked Ladies, they've been touring for a long time mm-hmm. and they still love it. They're still, you know, th- the way that they treat their fans is incredible mm-hmm. um and their fans love them so much and they were so nice to me and that was my first tour so it was you know it was it was daunting cuz I went from you know playing at clubs in Toronto to playing in stadiums um like real stadium yeah. shows and which I always wanted to do with the theremin because I yeah. thought oh I'll sound the acoustics would sound great in the yeah. stadium and it did you know but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it and and everybody thought oh well you know the bigger the shows got the more the happier I was so right. yeah so that that was good to know because uh, you wouldn't want to have stage fright with the theremin. That would be no. that would be bad. <laughs> like, shaking? No. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You can uh, hear the nervousness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would not be good. Um, but yeah, that's great. So, um, did people? Uh, did the audiences respond really well to the theremin on your tour? Yes, it's been absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. I always knew they would, mm-hmm. but this is a hard sell for people you know, who haven't experienced it. Mm-hmm. What do you mean, like, a one-girl theremin virtual, you know, Spice Girl band with Twitter shoes? Like, it sounds <laughs> crazy. But when people see it, it's like, oh, of course, that, that totally makes sense. I mean, yeah. it's it's like, of course. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in my head, these things go together. Theremin, pop music, great fit. But yeah. a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their head around mm-hmm. those things, which is totally understandable because... You know, until you've heard it, why would you? Why would you think that it would work? Yeah. Um, and with especially somebody, you know, the bare naked ladies don't. They're not an electronic band. So because I'm, you know, I'm an electronic band and I make electronic music, mm-hmm. I wondered how that was going to work. And people were so generous, and you know, they really loved it. And the the coolest thing was that um, a lot of uh, Bare Naked Ladies fans are now, you know, have their own families, their kids mm-hmm. and everything. And the kids came to the shows. And then when I would do my meet and greets during the intermission, I would have a long line of kids who wanted my album and to try the theremin. Oh, and wow. um, 
that was so cool for me because at the time I didn't know that like who my demographic really was you mm-hmm. know? Right. and I don't believe in that really like I think good music is good music yeah but I it was great for me to know that like my core fan base are kids and you know that's great because I'm weird and so I always tell them like look be weird yeah. because then you could be on tour with you know a great band one there day just because of you know sticking to what you think is cool it's you can you can define those things right mm-hmm. the society doesn't have to define those things for you and and if I didn't spend so much time alone then I wouldn't you know be able to play these instruments and so it's um I think that's a good message because I just sometimes I look around at our world and I'm like you know it's there's so much pressure to conform Mm -hmm. and it's good to have role models that are weird (laughs) all of my role models are weird and so I'm representing (laughs) well that's so great that's awesome The theremin was often used for film soundtracks and sound effects in sci-fi films you mentioned earlier. So have you ever composed for a TV show or film using the theremin? Yes, I have. I've actually... Uh, I've done compositions for a few films, a lot of them, like uh, Birdland, which is directed by Peter Lynch. It's coming out 2018 as well, Mm -hmm. and I did some sound design for that. I scored my first um, television series as well, where I used the theremin, wrote some original songs, and that's called Collision Chorus. I'm about to start the second season now. Awesome. And that's been really fun. And I've done a lot of, you know, a lot of... Um, animations and stuff like that. I, I love composing for other people's pictures as well. It's it's a totally different thing, but mm-hmm. the theremin lends itself really well to that because it it has a resonance as well of of these old sci- science fiction movies. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, it's been used a lot. Um, it's been used in. I mean, I've I've looked into it, and there are things like the day the Earth stood still, and a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, whenever people wanted uh, alien scenes, you know, in the '60s and stuff, it was used '50s and '60s uh, to denote aliens, to denote horror. To, mm-hmm. it, the Simpsons uses it all the time, but it's not a real theremin. <laughs> but like, they are always using theremin uh, sounds, yeah. like every Treehouse of Horror and everything. That's like, like it's always <laughs> you know ghosty and everything, but. Um, it was funny because it was also used in the Ten Commandments every time a plague happened, and mm. it um, and it was used it was used a lot. And then at a certain point, it just stopped being used. And so I was curious about that. Like, why was it? You know, why was theremin so common in these soundtracks and then suddenly disappeared? And when I looked into it, it was because there was one man that was playing all of the theremin parts for all of these films, like one thereminist, and he died. Oh, (laughs) no. And so... Well, uh, you got to fill that void now. (laughs) (laughs) It needs to come back. I mean, there are more. There's more to do, guys. (laughs) Well, clearly you can make so many incredible sounds with it. So why not? Star Trek, Star Wars. I mean, they they all need theremins as far as... uh, The Star Trek theme, it's funny because there are a lot of misconceptions um, about what, you know, the theremin in popular culture and stuff like that. One of them is that everybody thinks that the Star Trek theme was played on the theremin, mm. but it wasn't. Oh. It was a it was a woman's voice. I mean, I I learned how to play it because I I needed to do it for a show where mm. you know somebody asked me to learn it. But I mean, it wasn't. But it's just funny that in people's minds, it's the same thing with the Beach Boys' "Good Vibrations." Like, oh, theremin, but no, mm. Interesting. Uh, yeah. But you know, it could be. Cool. It's easier to simulate it. Let's face it. Yeah. But, you know, the fact is that if you have a live performer, it'll always be better. Mm-hmm. You know, of course. Yeah, of course. So do you have a favorite session or discovery moment that stands out for you during your career playing the theremin? In Toronto, there's a place called Honest Ed's and it was a crazy store. How would you describe it? Every possible thing you could think of. Any item in the world that was ever invented was probably an Honest Ed's. (laughs) For for like $2.99, you know? And the signage is iconic and and everything was just kind of there mashed up together. Mm -hmm. It didn't really make sense. It was an incredible Toronto landmark. And sadly, it's now closed um, because they're turning it into condos, as seems to be 
you know, the way. Mm-hmm. But before it closed, somehow uh, they managed to put on this incredible fe- festival there, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So um, I was there. I did three days of six shows a day. And then in between my sets, I because there were so many people there and there were so many families there. And actually in Toronto, it's, it's really hard to get a lot of opportunities, like all ages mm-hmm. concert opportunities. True. And so it was really cool because there were so many kids and so many people and everybody was in a good mood. And it was, it was so special. Anyway, so in between my sets, I would say, okay, does anybody want to try the theremin? Because this is the thing about the theremin. When people see me perform with it, they're like, wow, that's great. That's great. But a lot of people don't know if they don't understand the theremin, how it works, they have no idea how difficult it is to play. They just Mm -hmm. see me moving my hands around. And as far as they know, I mean, that could just be automatic music coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not like that at all. I mean, you know, as we discussed, it's Mm -hmm. so, you have to pay attention. It's so hard. You can't move. You can't breathe. You can't like, and so, um, you know, I, I used to kind of approach it like, oh, it's this magical, mysterious instrument and it, and you can't try it. But now I, I'm like, oh, no, please try it. Because, yeah. because uh, you know, you, you mentioned that you tried it recently, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. how did you find it? Oh, I got maybe like three little sounds out of it and not much else. It was very <laughs> difficult and I was trying, but uh, yeah, it just wasn't working. No, it's, 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 it's very challenging. So, so it was great for me because in between my sets, I could, I could invite people to come and try it. And then, and it's interesting because some people, like what you were asking before, whether, you know, it's like women or men have a kind of propensity to play this instrument. Mm-hmm. What I've noticed is that there seems to be a theremin gene mm-hmm. and some people have it. You know, there are some people who just um, when they first approach the theremin, they get it. It makes sense to them. And they you can tell that they have this ability, this kind of innate thing. Mm -hmm. And those people, I always say, like, you should get this. I tell them because I've I've seen thousands of people try it at this Mm -hmm. point. And but um, but it was great. And so it was great because. At that Honest Ed show, there were so many kids and so many young girls who I've got rainbow hair and stuff like that. So they really <laughs> like they really liked that because I was like a unicorn and everything. But also they all tried the theremin and they fell in love with it. And there so then afterwards on my Instagram and everything, their their parents were tweeting me and, and Instagramming and saying, you know, my daughter wants to be a theremin player when she grows up. And those moments really affect me. Is there anyone else that you know that is a woman in the music or audio industry that you suggest I talk to and bring in on this podcast? Oh, well, that I mean, say Grimes, is, I would love to oh, hear that. I am, yeah. a, I am a huge, huge Grimes fan. I, I would love to... Uh, Maybe get in touch with her. Yeah, yeah she definitely. I that she's she's so amazing because well, um, she's she's just just like you, you know, doing everything yeah. herself, which I find is so incredible. I find it so inspiring, yeah. and I look up to her a lot. And the fact that she is a producer, I mean, the thing it, it's 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 funny because I never thought of myself as a girl or a woman as opposed to a boy, you know, mm-hmm. I, like my whole life, it was like, oh, no, I can do that. Like if 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 I saw anybody doing anything, I thought, mm-hmm. oh, I could do that. It doesn't matter. Like to me, I didn't have that idea. Mm-hmm. And I guess in retrospect, it's because that's how I was raised by my parents. And, you know, if I wanted a transformer, I got a transformer. If I wanted a Barbie, I got a Barbie. If I wanted a science kit where I could make a light bulb come on, I got that. If mm-hmm. I wanted recording software, I got that. If, you know, and they were so encouraging. I mean, it's not like we had a lot, but anything creative, my parents really encouraged. So I got those essentials and I'm very, very grateful for those things. And, um, and I was lucky because, the way that, you know, that that affected me is just I, I if I want to do something, well, of course I should be able to do that. And producing is one of those things where because as a young singer and I started out in the industry when I was really young, I mean, I've always played with bands. I've always been a singer. I've always been in a band. I've always been in studios. Mm-hmm. It's it's men who are engineering. It's mm-hmm. men who are producing. Mm-hmm. So you do get this thing where it's, you know, at a certain point, I 
I, and it was when I was maybe 16. I'm like, well, why can't I do that? Mm-hmm. And all it is is turning buttons. Really? I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's a lot more than that. But to right. start out, okay, like figure out what all of these knobs do mm-hmm. and then figure out, uh, you know, the basics. How It's, it's like learning a skill. Yep. But it's strange that, you know, there, there are not there, – there weren't people for me to look up to and say, oh, look at that female producer. And, and for me to work with as a young artist as well um, – you know, I want to work with women, mm-hmm. but it's – and I, that's why, you know, when I say Grimes, I'm like, oh, I'd love to work with Grimes. Like, I would love to know what it's like to work with a female pr- uh, producer. Yeah. And I love working with men as well. I mean, I'm not I, – I, I love working with people who love music. Mm-hmm. But it, it would be – it would be, like, a really – yeah, really cool experience yeah. to know what that would be like. And the fact that she's done it and that she's been so successful and, and really stuck stuck to stuck to it and has the confidence to do that. I mean, I think that is the, the, the link, right, mm-hmm. is to be able to say, okay, well, at this point, like, I've produced a lot. I'm a producer. Right. And I find a lot of guys don't have that same problem. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of guys that are like, I'm a producer. And then I, I'm like, oh, well, you know. I, if you're a producer, I'm a producer. That's all that I know. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, last question before I want to hop on and, and try it. <laughs> um, if you could talk to yourself five years ago and you only had 30 seconds, what would you say? Stay weird. <laughs> that is the best answer I have ever heard. There you go. <laughs> you said that in 0.2 seconds. <laughs> I believe it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so um, for everyone listening, I am going to attempt amazing the theremin. Let's do so, it. Should we do uh, a lesson? Like a little? Um, yeah. Well, we can. Uh, I can. I can hop up there. Um, we'll have to calibrate. Yeah. As, as you mentioned. Cool. When you're Ooh. making those movements, you're gonna walk your fingers. <gasps> there you go. Whoa. I think you had one of those moments. Yeah, yeah. I did. <laughs> now I'm going to go into Moog and be like, I've never played this before. Yes. <laughs> be like, no, no, Whoa. I will tell them who gave me the lesson. Now, go, go, go wild. Okay. about this instrument i can't wait to Good. share this podcast with the world Me and too. keep an eye out for what you got coming out in 2018 yeah. and uh yeah maybe we'll have you by for the studio for a showcase or yeah, something i would love that that'd be awesome. that would be awesome okay thank you so much, thank you so much. thanks it's for listening everyone thanks for listening